It's that time again. It's time for another episode of This Connected with Catholic.Dad, where we talk about experiences, point of views, faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. It's honest talk to connect generations and situations to not necessarily agree, but definitely be listened to. On today's podcast, I am joined by co-host Carlos from Sequoia Middle School, Valeria and Serena from Kaiser High, Sid Lali from Fontana High, and woohoo, Karen from Chafee College, and Maria, now a Catholic.mom, uh, cooking up some punset and egg rolls. And of course, I'm Catholic.dad, the former youth minister for these guys, and we will be interviewing a special friend of mine who has been instrumental in getting St. Mary's Youth Ministry started. She will be here to tell us about her life, and most importantly, the reason why she is alive. Intercessory prayer. Into who? Intercessory prayer. That's when Edwin's interrupted by his mom, Ceci, so that they can pray. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> yeah, that's when inter- intercessory prayer is. Ooh, well, anyways, uh... I want to tell you guys that <laughs> we are in season three. This is our 27th episode. So in season three, we are going to talk about top tens, like what are some of the top ten things you can think of. Um, top ten things about Anna, actually, this episode is top ten, one of the top ten things that we're going to talk about during this season. And today's episode is the first number one top ten, intercessory prayer. So welcome, Anna, and welcome, crew. Woo! I think uh, we're outnumbered here, Carlos. So one of the things we usually have um, in the beginning of the episode, you know, disconnected moments. So how is, you know, we're going to talk about you guys because we have like a whole lot of co-hosts here. How's your guys' week been? How's ministry been? How's life been? How's like any moments, disconnected moments that you guys have had this week? Anything? Any uh, fun? Yeah. Well, you went. Ooh. You went to Valeria. You went to Northern California. Yes, I did. I went to Northern California to visit family. No, I didn't visit family. No, not at all. <laughs> um, yes, I, I went. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to speak up with regards like to that. There's trip. no whispering in this podcast. It was like a junior trip, and within a junior trip, we went to. Um, you went to visit universities that you're never gonna go to. Excuse you. Because you're going to go local. Because you're going to be a core team member one day. Wow. Oh. I could be a core team member. It's just that I want to give my education, you know? She's I want to give them wherever the Lord leads you, girl. Wherever the Lord leads me, yeah. How was the Golden Gate Bridge? It was scary. I I looked over and I almost fell in. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, I looked over and I I could have sworn I saw like a seal. But it looked like a human just bobbing in the water. <laughs> a human seal. A human seal. Carlos, the only other guy here. How's been your week? It's been really good. It's been really good. You guys had like Mardi Gras like yes. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. It was really like good. Like a week right before Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how was it? What did you guys do? It was good. Uh, my, I got my head into whipped cream. Kind of nasty, Ooh. but it was, it was really fun. Oh, gotta love those got youth group whipped cream dirty. Cream. Yeah. Yeah. So, so today we're going to talk about intercessory prayer. How many of you guys know what inter, uh, how intercessory prayer is? Isn't is that it? with like a saint? And like, that you ask for the saint? Or no? 
you know, when you ask the isn't, saints to intercede for you, it's kind yeah. of like isn't that Isn't that thing. when you ask somebody to pray over you? Oh, yeah, someone pray over you. What else? What else do you guys think intercessory prayer is? Well, I know a lot of people intercede with, like, the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. I know that's, like... It's like when you're like wanting a job and you ask someone, "Hey, you know, what? I yeah, want a job yeah, at your yeah. work. Can you give a word, oh, it's good like a good word for me?" That's <gasps> yeah. like a recommendation. It's, a, it's like, "Hey, Mother yeah. Mary, in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Yeah, it's like, "Hey, Mother Mary, son? can you ask your son for a recommend? Can you like heal me?" Oh, can you ask him to heal me, please? Please, please. pretty please. Three Hail Marys and an Our Father. Yeah. You know he'll say no, he won't say no to you. Oh. Aww. So basically, intercessory prayer. We're going to talk about this intercessory prayer. If we go into the Catechism of the Catholic Church, how many of you guys have looked that up in the Catechism of the Catholic Church? You know, there's there's many kinds of prayers. There's prayers of petitions, and there's Thanksgiving prayers, mm-hmm. and there's also what we call intercessory prayers. And in the Catechism, who has that in the Catechism? What what number is that? 2634. Oh, paragraph 2634 in the catechism, interceding for others. Who has who has who has that read? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, so one of you guys read it. Intercession is a prayer of petition which leads us to pray as Jesus did. He is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all men, especially sinners. He is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's awesome. You know, the the next paragraph of that, which is 2635, what does it say in 2635? Um, It says, since Abraham intercession, asking on behalf of another has been characteristic of a heart attuned to God's mercy. In the age of the church, Christian intercession participates in Christ as an expression of the communion of saints. In intercession, he prays. He prays. Looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, even to the point of praying for those who do him harm. Yeah, so it's, that's all intercessory. And so in twenty six thirty thirty five thirty six, there's another one. What's the next one after that? It says the Christian communities live this form of fellowship intensely. Thus, the Apostle Paul gives them a share in his ministry of preaching the gospel, but also intercedes for them. The intercession of Christians recognize no boundaries for all men, for kings, and all who are in high position, for persecutors, persecutors for the salvation of those who reject the gospel. So that's all in our catechism of the Catholic Church. And if you get for you listeners who aren't Catholics and don't know what the catechism of the Catholic Church is, it's kind of like all the the information that that we as Catholics follow and abide by through sacred tradition, all the history of of the Church. It's it's it defines for us what how what these things are. And I just want to share that interce- interceding for others. That's what it is. Interceding for others and intercessory praying for someone else aside from ourselves. Interceding for others. When we do that, we imitate Jesus who always lives to make intercession. It's very scriptural. It's in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. It says the Spirit himself intercedes for the saints according to God's will. And that's in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 to 27. It continues and says interceding for others as Abraham did. And if you guys read your scripture, you know Abraham is a father of our faith. 
shows a heart attuned to God's mercy. You had read that. Christians participate in Christ's intercession by praying for the interest of others, even enemies. That's hard. You know, it's like, I remember one priest who said one time, he's like, you know what? We, after 9-11, you guys remember 9-11? Yes. And it's like, he, he said, he said mass. And during the prayers of the faithful, he included this one person that the, all the people should be praying for. He said, let us pray for Osama bin Laden. Everyone was shocked. And he says, we need to be praying for our enemies so that they may also be delivered. And so it says, you know, Paul asked the Ephesian community, it's all very scriptural, to pray at every opportunity in the Spirit and to make supplications for all the holy ones. He asked for intercession for all men, for kings, and for all high positions. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, that's when he asked. And so we have such a rich history in our church of asking someone to pray for us. And for the church, lowercase c means us praying for others. And so therefore, that it's going to bring us to our interview with Anna after this brief commercial. Hey Goose, you belong to that youth group, right? Yeah, I go to Edge at St. Mary's. And you, Serena? I go to the high school group, Life Team. You know, youth ministry is so underfunded and could really use help. Yeah, we do. If you're out there listening and would like to make a donation to keep youth ministry alive in this parish, please send a donation to St. Mary's Youth Ministry and mail it to 16550 Harupa Avenue, Fontana, California, 92337. Or go directly to the link in this podcast and make a donation there. 100% of your donation goes directly to funding youth ministry needs. Oh, and don't forget to write down this connected in the comment. That's really cool. I hope people donate. They will. Yay! So it's really good that you know we're all here together in this one room in our podcast studio. Not the plaza, but in... Um, in, in one of the rooms in my house. So today, the episode is episode 27, Intercessory Prayer. And again, as, as we said earlier, our special guest is no one other than Anna Ooh. Montano. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thank you for having me. It's the first time we've had you. Yes. I mean, we've been asking to have you for like two seasons. I'm busy living life, man. Busy living life. Like, literally, guys, remember we, we like, had her schedule and she, like, flaked out on us. <laughs> oh. Oh. Like, Don't hurt all her. our feelings. <laughs> so, Anna, you know, we met, we met, our, our story goes way back. I think, what, eight years? Mm, yeah, yes. probably about eight years. And I gotta tell you guys that the first time I met Anna was through Patty Ruiz, who convinced both of us to be catechists. And Patty had told me oh you're gonna assist anna she's this seasoned catechist from our lady of guadalupe and chino shout out to our lady of guadalupe and chino father edmund and and m&m youth group out there with gucci guzman shout out to him but you know she i was so intimidated i was like who is this woman and i was so nervous i was ready to quit i was like and, and then and then and then Patty says, no, we're going to give you your own class. And I'm like, oh, 
thank God. <laughs> and then when I met her, I was so intimidated because she was like, who is this woman? And she was like... It's because you were the star, dude. She, she still is. Oh. oh. She still is. Yes, yes. But you know what? Throughout the years, you know, thank you, Anna, for helping us form this youth group. Because I think you were like the person, because I was like the person who thought of things. And Anna was actually the one who actually did it. It was all Arno. She was like True. the organized person, Excel sheets. No. Always <laughs> sending, did you do this yet? Do yes. I have to do everything for you? <laughs> so, so Anna, thank you again for all that you've done. But throughout that, you had said, and we, you know, throughout, we shared a couple of things about our lives. But one of the touching things that you shared was your testimony of your life. And I think it's important with this part... The very first episode of season three in Top Tens, our very first one, Intercessory Prayer. I think our listeners out there would truly benefit, and these young people truly benefit from hearing your story and how you told me with regards to how you're alive. But first, let's, uh, well, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Anna. (laughs) And um, I'm alive today because of Intercessory Prayer. Well, well, what do you what do you say that you're alive today? I mean, it's like we're all alive today. But. Well, because um, thirteen years ago, um, they told me I was dying, and they told my family I wasn't going to live to see a year, and so it was pretty grim. And um, because uh, my loved ones uh, started to pray, and my mom was part of El Grupo de Oración at um, OLG, and so there was. A lot, a lot of people praying for me. Well, let me back that. Yeah, let's back that <laughs> so, up. So, okay. Um, April 2007, um, I was having severe shortness of breath. Um, I couldn't breathe. It got to the point where just coming home from work and from the driveway, walking to my house, I barely made it to the couch and I was just gasping for air. And I knew, obviously, something was terribly wrong. And um, in April 2007, I finally made it to the doctors, and they immediately put me on oxygen and um, put me in an ambulance and sent me to the hospital, Chino Hospital, that is. And uh, that's where uh, they did lots of tests, and they told me that I was very, very sick. And um, you could just see the the sorrow in the doctor's eyes, you know, when they would just look at me and tell me, you know, I was very, very sick because I was only 29 years old. And, um, I don't remember much being there. I slept a lot. And, but I do remember, um, my sisters, my loved ones telling me years later that, um, when I was at Chino, uh, the doctors actually told them that I wasn't going to live to see a year. And then they told me that I needed a higher level of facility care. I was in the ICU, that there wasn't much that they could do for me there. So then they found me a bed at UC uh, San Diego. And I was shipped off to San Diego, and I was there for another week. And I was diagnosed with pulmonary arterial hypertension. What is that? Or pulmonary hypertension. It's high blood pressure in the lungs. It's a rare lung disease. And uh, basically, I'm not getting the oxygenated blood that I need. So the blood um, vessels going into the lungs, uh, feeding it the oxygenated blood, are narrowed. And so I'm not getting that blood, and then there's um, backflow. And that causes the heart to be enlarged. 
as well because my heart is working extra hard. And they told me that um, I was going to need a heart and lung transplant. You know, initially, um, my first thoughts were, well, actually, when they first told me all of this, you know, I didn't cry out like, oh, God, why? You know, I always had my faith. You know, I grew up Catholic, cradle Catholic, and I was fortunate enough uh, when I did go on my confirmation retreat, it was um, in the mountains, and I had a personal encounter, you know, with the Holy Spirit. And so I knew God was real and He was with me. And maybe I had that encounter also to prepare me, you know, for what was going to happen later in life. Uh, because when, you know, they told me, I like to say when they told, the day they told me I was dying was the day I started living. Uh, so when they, when I was diagnosed and they told me, you know, prognosis was pretty grim, I basically said, okay, God, you know, my life is in your hands. Uh, what else can I do? I didn't cry. I wasn't sad. Um, because also at that time, I knew the kind of lifestyle that I had lived. You know, I had already, you know, done a lot of, made a lot of bad choices. And, you know, I accepted it. And I figured, you know, nobody's life is promised. Um, you know, who knows, I can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, you know, who's, who's to say I'm going to live a week, a month, a year, you know, it's in God's hands. And so that day in the hospital, when they told me that I said, God, my life is in your hands. May your will be done. And, um, I remember it was divine mercy Sunday and my mom was kind of torn because, um, as I mentioned, she was part of a grupo de oración and they would go to divine mercy and, um, and pray. And she was torn because she's like, she didn't want to leave me in the hospital in the ICU by myself. And she's like, you know, what do I do? do you know, I'll just, I, I'll just, I won't go. I'll just stay here with you. And I'm like, mom, no, just go. I'm fine. You know, just go. And, you know, you'll do more good praying, you know, for others, what have you, then, you know, what are you going to do here? And so she went and, um, again, there was a lot of people praying for me. So in about a week and a half, the time that I was at um, Chino Hospital and uh, San Diego, like everything just completely turned. It went from like, you know, sorrow in the doctor's eyes to like, you know what? There's hope. Like it just completely changed. Like you're responding like, you know, maybe, you know, um, we'll see what happens. But they did tell me I was a need a heart and lung transplant uh, shortly after. So I was um, released from the hospital and um discharged i mean <laughs> and i remember um eventually going to go see a heart i mean uh the lung transplant doctor at ucla and there uh you know what i remember i remember driving while my dad was driving me being in the car and just thinking you know well it's not so bad you know give me a new heart new lungs you know i'll be brand new again not so bad well, once I saw the lung transplant doctor, that's when I learned that life expectancy after a lung transplant is only five years. While first, um, initially, people with pulmonary hypertension, um, life expectancy is only 2.8 years without treatment. With treatment, it's only eight years. Um, so you're saying that when you went to UCLA, mm -hmm. the, the doc, basically if you had anything done, 
you'd probably live about two point eight years. Eight years. So well, less I than three had years. Symptoms for a while, so that's why they were like, "You're not going to make it." Like they rushing you. Yeah. Because... And then if you had a heart and lung transplant, you know, God willing, somebody would have a heart and a lung that matched yours. It would be about five, five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at. Well, I'm going to get this done. I have five years to go. Yeah. Well, you know, when they said that there's like between two to three years, you're definitely going to like, there was no question about it. You're definitely going to need it because you're so sick. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, two, three years plus five, eight years. And I'm 29 years old, not married, no children. And you know, that was kind of like a little bit heavy. I think heavier than when I was first diagnosed, like, wow. Okay. And, again, like, what can you do at that point, you know? Um, Give it to God, you know? And, God, my life is in your hands. I mean, my mom is a very tough woman, very strong woman. She's had a lot of hardship in her life. And so I think maybe that's where I get it from as well, you know? Like, get up and dust yourself off and keep going. But um, more than anything, I get my strength from God because he's all I have um so it's been 13 years did you get the I do not I have not received a heart or lung transplant I am not on a heart or transplant list um I do sleep with oxygen I am on three different uh, pulmonary hypertension meds one of them is uh pump, um, IV medicate, not IV, I'm sorry, subcutaneous medicine that I receive in my stomach through a pump 24-7. These medicines are truly life-saving. Like, if I don't take one of these meds, I can't breathe. I mean, I can't breathe already, (laughs) but without these meds, like, I really, really struggle. So, wait, you're saying that you needed a heart transplant Mm -hmm. in order to live up to five years? Lung transplant, Mm mm-hmm. Both. Both a heart and lung. But you didn't. No. And that was 13 years ago. Yes. And I truly believe that's all from like that first week of being in the hospital. From all of those prayers, from everyone interceding for me. Because, I mean, it was, I was in pretty bad shape. I was in the ICU. Like all the nurses and doctors would just, I'm telling you, they would look at me with such sorrow in their eyes like, Ay, pobrecita, you know? And, um, yeah, prognosis was very grim. And I mean, even now, like, throughout the years, uh, my uh, primary doctor, my UCLA doctors, the one in San Diego, they've all were amazed at my, you know, my, at me, just how, how well I was doing, you know? They would tell me, wow, it's like miraculous. It's miraculous to see where you are today to where you were. You know, when I was first diagnosed. And I always attribute it to God and prayer. Because that there is no other... I mean, yes, I admit I have the best doctors. I have the best care. You know, life-saving medicines. But more than anything, I believe it's my faith and prayer. But they weren't even my prayers. Because like I first shared with you, I wasn't like, Oh, God, you know, why? Help me, save me. I was more like... Okay, God, my life is in your hands. But it was everybody else's prayers that, you know, saved my life, I truly believe. Because, again, in one week, everything completely changed. And 
It was miraculous. It was. Um, so you said earlier that when the doctors told you you were dying, that is when you started living, right? Yes. Because I figured, you know, I'm going to live, you know? No one's life is promised, right? I'm, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be here tomorrow, so I'm going to live today. But not only just, you know, live, I'm going to have joy in my heart. I remember shortly after coming home from the hospital, um, I got upset. And I can't even tell you what upset me. But I got upset and my heart started pounding. And then I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm making myself sick over what? Like, and I realized nothing in this world is worth me getting sick over. Mm -hmm. And so since that day, which was like two weeks out of, you know, coming home from the hospital, I realized, you know, nothing's... Nothing's worth it. Nothing's worth taking my joy, you know, losing sleep over, me getting upset. Like, it's all good. You know, life is good, and I'm going to live it. Again, with joy and love in my heart, you know. I'm going to live the gospel and hope that others can see him in me. And, you know, that that's what inspires me to teach confirmation and to work with teens, you know, to let them know that, you know, life is going to happen. Hardship is going to, you know, be there. But, you know, it's your choice. What are you going to do with it? You can choose to let it get you down and be like, oh, poo-hoo, poor me. Or you can choose to cling to God and say, God, help me. I can do this. As long as you're with me, I'm okay. No matter what life gives you. It's all right, because he will give you the strength that you need to get through it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's, that's, a, that's a lot of stuff, and, and good question there, Serena. But um, Well, I wanted to, like, to say something. I was like, you've always been like a strong woman, and you're always smiling. You know, I, I, I see like right here in the interview, I see your big smile, your nice white teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Are there times you feel like in so much pain that you want to quit? That I want to quit? No. But do I struggle? Yes. Um, I've had two catheter heart ablations. And what that is, is they basically um, go into my heart through the major artery in my neck or through the groin. And um, because my heart um, has developed its own rhythm, it was beating like crazy. When I said like crazy, it was recorded at 210 beats per minute. And that's fast. Oh, wow. like, that's why. Like, that's why like hard to fast. Yeah. And it was often beating at over 100 and between 154 and 177 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. um, one time when, like, it wouldn't stop. It was like an all-day thing. I finally went to the hospital, and they actually had to, like, stop my heart, like, reset it. Oh, my goodness. You know, like, when they do it, like, on your chest and go, zoom. Yeah. You know, bring someone, well, like, yeah. It's kind of like that, but through medication through an IV mm -hmm. and I remember at that particular time when I went to I was in the ER at um, UCLA and um, my heart's 177 beats per minute my oxygen was like 72 um, saturation and the ER doctor's looking at me and he's looking at the monitors and looking at me and he's like you know I, I don't get it like how are you sitting here conscious talking to me like, your numbers are telling me you shouldn't be doing that. Your, your numbers are telling me you should be, like, 
passed out. And me hardly being able to breathe, I'm like, it's God. <laughs> you know, I mean, what else, right? Yeah. And um, so at that time, they did, they reset my heart. And I remember he's like, you're going to feel like somebody kicked you in the chest. And there, the my room was filled with like all kinds of doctors and nurses because, you know, it was like an event they wanted to see. And they're like, go. And then they did it. I, I was the most awful feeling. It was like literally like the life got sucked out of me. It was like, ah! and for like a couple of seconds. And then like I could breathe. And then my heart was back to normal. And so these um, ablations, like I said, so they go in there and like they create scar tissue to prevent it from like it beating off fast. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your questions, sometimes when that happens, when my heart's like just beating and my oxygen's really low and I can't breathe, like I literally feel like I'm dying. Like, oh my God, like I can literally just have a heart attack right now. Or, you know, I just, I don't feel good. I, I can't breathe. And you know, those are tough days, but I don't focus, you know, on the negative. I don't focus on the fact that I'm sick. I don't focus on the fact that I can't breathe. I don't focus on, you know, the what ifs, you know, I just, okay, God, I'm okay. I tell myself, I'm okay. This, I'm okay. This is going to pass. As long as you're with me, I'm okay. And worst case scenario, if I was to go right now, God, like, as long as you're with me, I'm okay. You know, sometimes I feel like when I'm walking, I'll feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going to pass out because, you know, I'm low on oxygen or what have you. And it's just like, you know, I just gather myself together, I stop walking or whatever I'm doing, and I just breathe and relax and, you know, hopefully it passes most of the time it does. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, also, your mind is a very powerful thing. You know, if <clears> I were <throat> to sit here and focus on the fact that I was sick, that I'm sick, I probably wouldn't be here right now as well. Um, but because my I have a different kind of mentality where I, you know, tell myself, like, I'm okay, you know, God is good, and, you know, I'm more positive, mm -hmm. you know, I feel that also attributes to the fact that I'm still here. So your mentality is really stronger than your physical body, huh, in your case? Yes, because yeah. I feel like, you know, if you tell yourself, like, I'm sick, I'm sick, I don't feel good, I'm sick, then you're going to be sick, and you're not going to feel good. Mm -hmm. So, so like, you young know? people like us, you would say, like, having a good mentality is something that really benefits Yes, like, is. people all... People, I know a lot of young people suffer from anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, don't focus on that. Like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, no, you got to talk yourself through. Like, I'm okay. You know, relax, breathe, talk to yourself. You know, Lord, take these feelings away from me. You know, fill me with your peace. Come Holy Spirit. I'm okay. You know, I think that's also, there's power in that as well. And again, you're asking God to intercede for you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you so there's power in that indeed and it's a power it's actually the power of of your faith and understanding that the Holy Spirit is interceding and, and allowing other people to yes. to work through him uh, to help you um so Anna you said that you've been having this sickness for like 13 years when the doctor told you that you were only gonna live for five years do you think that God has a special mission for you in life, and that's why he, He's extended your life expectancy? I don't know, but what I do know is that I hope, like I said earlier, I hope that others can see Him in me, and through my testimony, give them hope. You know, like, if she can do it, then I can do it too. 
you know it's not so bad you just gotta you know cling to him you know ask for him reach out to him because you know in the end he's all we have you know we have our loved ones here on earth you know you guys I have you guys you guys care about me I care about you but you know in, in the end it's you and him how you live your life that's between you and God you know and so I just and that's one of my prayers is mercy that's one of my biggest prayers is you know I I try to live the best that I can I try to you know make good choices and to show love and to be loved so that when my day comes he may have mercy on me um, because you know God have mercy <laughs> yes. so Anna I, I'm gonna ask yes how did you end up with pulmonary heart and um, it's the doctor says idiopathic meaning there is no known cause however um, I did uh, use drugs um, I started using uh, when I was 14 oh, wow. and the reason why I started so young was because I was self-medicating um, I'll be honest um, at a very young age I was molested and um, when I was 14 I was raped and didn't tell anyone didn't um, you know seek help or anything so I self-medicated I started smoking pot I started smoking cigarettes and doing speed and I was in high school and after high school the speed turned into meth and then I started smoking meth and I did that for all in all for 15 years from the time I was 14 till I was diagnosed when I was 29 and um, and that's why that's another reason why when they told me you know that I was dying that I accepted it because I again I knew the kind of lifestyle that I lived and I feel there's consequence to sin I'm not saying you know this is things happen because you know you're a sinner I'm you know I'm saying I knew the kind of life that I lived and so I was willing to accept whatever came with that and um, when I was diagnosed they said Fen Fen which you know was a, a diet pill from the 80s caused pulmonary hypertension so they said you know that's also a link and perhaps that was also a contributing factor but I do remember being like a junior high school and you know struggling not being able to run the mile and what have you so I believe I did have it however there's no denying that the drugs definitely sped it up because most people don't find out uh, like most women don't find out until they're in their 40s I was 29 with severe symptoms already so yes <laughs> to answer your question thank you for sharing that it's okay. it's a it's a strong testimony to to share the pitfalls in our lives and I really appreciate that you were you're you're so strong to share that because I, I, I truly believe because I know your story and I truly believe that that as Karen asked that you do have a mission you do have a mission all of us are born to have a mission but we actually identify and you're actually living out mission so when we come back Anna and the crew here we're gonna talk about something else about Anna hey did you know that our podcast is sponsored by anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain first of all it's free 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. So powerful testimonies going on here and learning about what Anna's gone through her life. Um, but now, Anna, the, the question is, you've gone through that. We heard your testimony, we heard your story, but it's not done there. Um, you know, you're alive. And actually, because of the intercessory prayers of your parents, that group that she has and people who are... Are they still praying for you? Yes, I, I still have, you know, so... I get emotional. Um... To this day, you know, I still have people come up to me and tell me, you know, oh, I've been thinking about you, you know, I'm praying for you, you're in my prayers. Um, one time at St. Mary's, uh, this lady came up to me, and I really didn't know her, just, you know, from seeing her at church, and she um, came up to me, she's like, you know, I just want to let you know, I heard you speak one time, and I just wanted you to know that you're in my prayers. And that's like, oh, it means so much. You know, and I just remembered something also. Um... Another thing that w most of my doctors asked me was, how was I able to quit drugs? How was I able to quit math? And I'm like, while it was life and death, and they'd say, but no, not even then. That's one of the hardest drugs to come off of. And even when the patients are faced with life and death, they're still not able to come off of that. Like, how were you able to? And I'm, my answer is divine intervention. Amen. I mean, because... Like literally, when I when I came home from the hospital, um, like within a week, I found um, a bag full of math, and I picked it up and I just looked at it, and I'm like, forget that, you know. And I tossed it like, never again. And never have I had the desire, the urge, or anything to go back. And and I think that's. You know, divine intervention, that's the power of God. Because how else, like the doctors tell me, that nobody can, nobody's able to do that. But for me, it was no problem at all. So, Anna, mm -hmm. now that we've gone through that, what now? What do you have plans for the rest of your life? To continue to live life. Like, really, truly. I threw myself when I turned, I'm 42, but on my, for my 40th, I threw myself a big party. I've never had a party, but I threw Ooh. myself a big party. Oh. Oh. Because, <laughs> and the reason was because I really, truly did not think I was going to live to see 40. Like, with all my heart, I did not think I was going to live to see 40. And so when I made it to 40, I had to throw a big celebration. And now moving forward, like... Again, like, you know, people ask me, what are your, you know, your goals in five years or long-term goals? Like, and I'll be honest, I really don't have any, like, because I'm just living for today, you know? Sure, like, I did end up buying a house because I figured, yeah. okay, well, I'm not going anywhere, so <laughs> I might as well invest, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, my mom, with my mom helping me, I was able to purchase a house, and, you know, so I do, you know, um, 
take care of, you know, look into the future in that sense. But, um, as she went to as, Europe. <laughs> I, yes, I, I went to Europe. You know, I traveled a lot. You know, I just, I live life. My, I like to hang out with my friends to go to dinner and have a drink. You know, I like face-to-face -face conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, just hanging out and making memories. I like mm -hmm. taking my nephews and my nieces to um, museums and just spending time with my loved ones because tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. But again, more than anything, and I keep saying it, is I just hope that others can see him in me, you know, and I think by living the gospel, just by being love, you know, if you believe in Christ, if Christ is love, and you believe in Christ, then you have love, right? And if you have love, then that should, you know, come out of you, you know? I mean, the greatest commandment of, of all is okay. to love him and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, I just, I just, that's all I want to do is just, you know, be love. <laughs> I think what most people remember in your, in your confirmation class is, what does Anna always say? And this is what they always say. What does Anna always say? Love, 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 love. <laughs> and I think that was the, and like, you know, what, what does Mr. Arnold say? Oh, you're all going to you're hell. Going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and it's like, oh, what does Anna say? So, love, 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 love. And so I think we had a great partnership there. I had a class that was going to hell, and you were having a class that was uh, learning, to, learning to love. But you know what? You had taught me so much in, in the time that we've been friends. Um, and literally the time we've been friends is the time we've been serving confirmation. But what you had taught me is intercessory prayer. And you actually taught me that on these trips to Steubenville. Yes. And, and you know... I remember you saying, you know, I just want to be there to pray over these young people so that they, the Holy Spirit, you know, just the Holy Spirit will just dwell in them. Yes. And, you know, funny story of, of what we've been through with the Holy Spirit. I mean, our first, our first student bill is you had me and Mark bawling our eyes out <laughs> when we called down the Holy Spirit. I just don't know where these tears are coming from. And Anna's over you going... She's she's saying her words, yeah. She's saying her Thank words. I'm like, Jesus. please, would you just stop praying over me? <laughs> All honor and glory. Yes, that's my favorite event is Steubenville because you have like um, how many thousands of kids? Like uh, like six. Yeah, that like, first time we went was seven thousand five hundred, and we always ended up in the back of the stage. Yes, you have thousands and thousands of teenagers, you know, and then you have adoration, a whole not, an evening of. You know, just um, the Blessed Sacrament coming around the whole stadium. And, you know, when you have that many people in the presence of God, you know, with the Holy Spirit flooding the place, powerful things happen and healing happens. And, you know, these young people, it's, it's so powerful. They don't know how to take it. They don't know how to act. And, you know, they need, they need help, but they need our prayers. And, and I feel that's so important. That's why I love going to these events, because I like praying for them like lord you know first and foremost thank you jesus thank you for allowing them to be open for allowing them to heal heal them oh lord let them be open to you let them release all of their pain all of their frustrations everything that they're holding inside god and fill them with your love and fill them with your hope and fill them with you know with with all of you and 
I just, and you just, you can just see it, you know, when you're just praying over them, you just see their healing and you give them reassurance that they're okay and just, you know, to give it to God and that God is with them and yes, <laughs> all honor and glory. Yeah, it, it's amazing because you, you taught us that, you taught me and Patty that uh, when we had people falling over because Anna's like, okay, we, we're going to pray over and, and that episode when when we find you, you taught Patty how to pray over people and she closed her eyes and she started praying and we started praying and our, the teens that we brought were falling on the ground and, <laughs> and you and me were carrying, dragging people to the back and we had to like hold on Patty and says, Patty, open your eyes. Could you please just hold off a little bit? We need help. <laughs> so I love those episodes that we had. Those were really great memories. And I think what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that you've invested in a house Yes. <clears throat> but actually what you've been doing is investing in these young people because again you're fostering that love and that's what attracted me to you and that's why I was always harassing you hey when are you going to come back because these guys do need you and they do desire I mean they it's like we only needed two co-hosts and <laughs> we had a whole bunch of people over here so oh, my heart came over to eat and I was like <laughs> Anna's coming, and I was like, all right, bet. Like, <laughs> guess who's going to slide through? <laughs> so it, it is the power of intercessory prayer that, t- that has kept you alive. Yes. And, and that intercessory, the, the power of intercessory prayers and your mom and her prayer group and everyone who's heard your story has been praying for you so that you can pray for other people. And I do believe with, with all my faith that God has placed you here to bring other people back home to heaven and by hopefully by the people listening to this if you're hearing this and it's bringing you closer to god you know you'll have this person who i know you're going to be a saint one day i don't know what you're going to be patronage of but but it's going to be one of those things of how many people do we bring closer to god how many people do we bring home to heaven yeah one of these things is that you don't have children right but I always admire the fact that you have literally been raising your nieces and nephews. And it's like, it's like you're putting people to college. You have them over in the weekend. You're literally meaner than their moms. <laughs> Super strict. Um, but I, I really admire that, that you have this love that's oozing towards all these people. So when we come back and as we close, we always end with, with a something is... We ask you that question. When you become that saint, what would be, what would you be the patron saint of? And so while we take this short break, we're going to allow you to think about that. So Anna, when you become a saint, and we know you will, what would you be the patron saint of? When I was caring for my elderly uh, grandfather, um, he used to always tell me, Ay, Ana, puro amor, puro amor. So I think I would be the patron saint of love. <laughs> I just want to try to picture what your statue is going to look like, though. It's going to have the little heart thingy. No, it's going to be Anna going like this. Oh, <laughs> we're pointing the finger at you being loved. <laughs> love, love, love. It's going to be, you know, the, the symbol at the bottom says amor, amor. 
You know, and it's, it's funny that you say, you know, I'm mean to, I am mean. Like, everyone says, like, I'm mean. But, you know, like, with love, you know, because I tell you the truth. Like, somebody's got to say the truth. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's agape yes. love. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, crew, you guys got anything else? I, I think you should be the patron set of love and vibes because I'm loving them right now. <laughs> yes. 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 That's like Valeria, period. 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 Oh, no. Oh, oh. that's a problem. No. <laughs> Exclamation point. Yeah. So as we have here, we have Serena. Ah! And we have Valeria, period. We have Silali and we have woohoo, Karen. And we have Carlos the Goose Guzman. That's all we have for y'all this time around. Don't forget to subscribe to This Connected with Catholic Thought Dad on your favorite podcast platform so that you won't miss our weekly episodes that drops every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Divine Mercy Hour. Email us your comments and questions to catholic.dad50 at gmail.com or follow us and send us a DM on our Instagram at catholic.dad. Also... Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. We want you to remember, live a life of holiness. We will be praying for you. Please pray for us. And most importantly, be blessed and be third. Amen. Say goodnight, Anna. Goodnight. Anna. This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out the cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N, 2021.